Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. What do you do in those times when you don't want to pray? I mean, there's enough of a spark in your soul that knows that you should pray. You know that you don't want to drift away from God. You don't want to have a hardened heart. So you, you're you in a dilemma. You don't want to pray, but you know you should pray. And I think that's true for all of us. I know it is true for me at times. There are times in our life when we just don't want to pray. We can just barely muster up the focus on God enough to where we're thinking of God and we're thinking of prayer. We want to pray in the sense that we we know that we don't want to drift away from God, but our heart is not in it. Sometimes it's because our heart has become hardened. We've let it become just, in a sense, not thinking of God. We're thinking about just merely the horizontal aspect of our lives, and we've lost our vertical focus. Sometimes it's because we're discouraged, and we just don't think of God in a positive way. We're thinking of everything in our life, including God, in a discouraging way. Or sometimes we're just in a place where we're just lethargic spiritually. And in those times, you want to wake yourself up. You know you should. You don't want to become this hardened rock toward God, or you just want God to do something to wake you up, to speak spiritual life into your soul. And so you just have enough desire to approach God where you approach God and hope something happens. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit has given us this prayer of David in Psalm 61. I remember this psalm in my freshman year in college before I learned how to pray the psalms back to God myself. Christian music was a spiritual lifeline for me. And there was a guy named Matthew Ward who was a contemporary Christian singer. And he sang this psalm in one of the songs. And he had this incredible, high, powerful voice. And that was back in the days when it didn't have auto-tune. So he nailed, you know, he was on pitch and he nailed it with his own voice without the help of a digital help of auto-tune. And the song was very dramatic. And I think he really captured the emotional drama of David in these first few verses. He sang it so dramatically that I still remember the song all these years later. I still remember the psalm by heart all these years later because of the song. And I think that's what David is doing in this psalm. The first couple of verses, it starts off, David says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Now, this is obviously dramatic language. David is saying something that I'm at the end of the earth and I'm calling to you and my heart is faint. I can barely cry out to you. And there were times in David's life, especially when you read the story of David in 1 Samuel and in 2 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, David is fleeing from Saul and the army of thousands who are trying to kill him and his mere 600 men. 
and he's going and hiding from God out in these rocky desert areas that are in the middle of nowhere. And if you have a study Bible, uh, there's a Zondervan theology study Bible, theological study Bible that shows actually the a picture now of the places where David had to hide from Saul. And they are just literally out in the wilderness of the desert where there's rocks and cliffs, but there is nothing there. And I have no doubt that David felt like he was at the end of the earth. And he was crying out to God. But I also think he is feeling at the end of the earth, so to speak, spiritually. He is, he is needing God, but his heart is faint. And I think sometimes you and I feel the same way. You're not where you want to be. You're, you're in, in a sense, spiritually, you're at the ends of the earth or in your circumstances. You feel like you're just not in the circumstances you want your life to be. Like David, you're out hiding from reality in the desert because reality is trying to harm you. You're in some circumstance. It's just not going, your life is not going the way you want it to go. Or spiritually, you're just, you're, you're, you're lifeless and you're not growing the way you want to grow. Or maybe in your, in your job or in your relationship, you're just in a desert. There's no water. That's the picture I saw in this study Bible where David had to hide. And that's often the circumstances we read about in the Psalms. It's amazing how his physical circumstances became spiritual descriptions of his life, and they have for 3,000 years resonated with God's people. This is our life. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit led David in these circumstances so that he could be such a powerful voice for us spiritually. So when David says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you and my heart is faint. Sometimes just saying that out loud, I've said this in episodes before, I really believe it's true. At least it works for me. Saying these kinds of prayers out loud, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. My heart is faint. From the end of the earth, I call to you. David was kind of dramatic. And when you read about his life in 1 Samuel, you'll see that he had good reason to be dramatic. He lived a dramatic life. And he, 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 he prayed dramatic prayers to God. I think sometimes we get so, I don't know, our lives get so overwhelmed with the entertainment that we have. We watch Netflix or we watch YouTube or we just have so much coming at us that we lose the muscles of our own imagination because other people's imagination made in film is what entertains us. And I think we lose something there because God gives us an imagination. Imagination is part of what it means to be created in the image of God. It's certainly what it means, part of what it means to be human. And I think that at our own peril, we stop using our imagination when it comes to our prayer with God and our, our language with God. And I think that we have a lot to learn from David and how dramatic he was in his prayer with God. I'm not talking about being drama queens or drama kings in the sense that we're complaining about everything and we're over-dramatizing everything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using language that really does dramatically describe where we are spiritually and what we need God to do. It's not being overly dramatic to say, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. 
Because I think that often is truly the condition of our heart. Our heart is faint. There's barely a flicker for God. It's just enough. And now we're just with enough energy, with enough life, we're raising our hand out of the grave and we're saying, God, hear my cry. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. And I think when we pray with that kind of language, it wakes us up. Emotional language wakes us up, and I think that we should bring that kind of emotional language that is not overly dramatic, but truly is descriptive. We're just becoming more aware of the true condition of our soul, the true condition of our heart, and the dramatic language is real. It wakes us up spiritually. And so you can barely start praying, but you do. And David continues, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, again, no doubt when I think of these pictures of where David was hiding, that's exactly what he, when he talks about God being his rock, his refuge, there are these cliffs that come out of the ground, almost a little bit like the Nevada desert or the New Mexico desert, where these, these kind of rocks of wall come out of the desert and there's a plateau on top. And that's what the region was where David was hiding. And there's caves there. So a lot of times a rock can be a cave that David hid in. But there are also cliffs that would be impossible for an army that's trying to get him to ascend without David and his 600 men having an incredible advantage. And I think that David is using these physical circumstances that he saw and that very much he emotionally, physically depended on for his very life as descriptive dramatic prayers to God of what he needed God to do. God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lift me up. Strengthen me. Protect me. Be a fortress for me. Speak life into my soul and lift me up. For you have, he says, he continues, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Sometimes it helps me to look at my life autobiographically and to think of the ways that God has been a refuge to me. doesn't mean I haven't had terrible circumstances in my life that didn't go the way I wanted them to go. But where I am now, I am better off than I certainly could have been. And God has been a refuge for me, a strong tower against the enemy. A lot of times when David speaks of the enemy, obviously he had a very real enemy In his life, he also had a spiritual enemy. And when you read 1 Samuel and you get to chapter 16 and the chapters that follow, there was a spiritual enemy, literally an evil spirit that was inspiring Saul to kill David. So David's enemies were physical, they were real in the sense that Saul and his 3,000 elite soldiers were often trying to find David and kill him, but it was also spiritual. Spiritual forces were trying to kill David because they knew that God had anointed David as king. And there are spiritual forces that know that God has anointed us as his people. He has marked us with his seal of his Holy Spirit. And there are spiritual forces in the Bible. If you believe the Bible is the word of God, if you believe the words of Jesus are true, you have to believe that there are spiritual forces that are an enemy to you. An enemy that tries to hide itself and an enemy that tries to hide God behind a world of entertainment, behind a world where we're just focused on the horizontal and losing the vertical reality of God in our lives. And there's an enemy that's trying to hide God in the lethargy of our own 
spiritual dullness. And we need God to wake us up. We need God to lead us to a rock that is higher than us and to be a strong tower against the enemy. Now imagine this. The language that David is using requires imagination to understand the spiritual reality of his life and and the spiritual reality of, of your life. This is a spiritual reality. Imagine God as this picture for you, a rock lifted high in the desert that lifts you up and gives you an advantage over your enemy, an advantage over your circumstances, a strong tower against the enemy. God is that for you. God is a refuge for you, a strong tower against the enemy, a rock that lifts you up higher than your circumstances. David continues in verse 4, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Now, this is all highly imaginative, poetic, imaginative language. And for us to catch what the Holy Spirit is writing here for us to pray, we have to use our imagination. What does it mean that we pray to God, let me dwell in your tent forever? That we would be in the belonging of God, that we would have belonging and provision and shelter and rest from a weary desert, from the beating sun, that we would be able to be protected and safe in God's tent forever. Belonging to God and experiencing the provision of God and the rest that comes from his shelter forever, that we would take refuge under the shelter of his wings. This is obviously using the reality of of a mother hen or bird of some kind that is protecting her chicks under her wings, perhaps from the sun, perhaps from a dust storm, perhaps from whatever, She is providing shelter for her chicks in a way that she herself becomes the refuge, the protection, the shelter. And David is saying, let you be that for me, God, that I would hide under the shelter of your wings, the wings of God, the wings of the creator of this universe who is the almighty and the most high and the most powerful Let me hide under the shelter of your wings from all of my life circumstances, from the enemy who is trying to destroy me through hardening my heart, making me spiritually lethargic, trying to hide you from me behind all the entertainment and all the diversions of life. And my heart is becoming discouraged. My heart is becoming faint. I feel like I'm at the ends of the earth calling out to you and I need God to lift me up on a rock that is higher. I need God to be my refuge and a strong tower against the enemy. I need God to be my tent in which I dwell forever in belonging and provision and shelter and rest. I need God to be my shelter that I take refuge under his wings. Verse five, for you 
have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. There is so much in that verse that the rest of the Bible tells us that Jesus is the one who perfectly lived a life in a sense of fearing God's name, living a life of obedience, a life of perfect vertical relationship with God. And the heritage of his resurrection, the inheritance that comes from Jesus living the perfect human life, the life of perfect righteousness, and breaking through the other side of death for me and rising from the dead to inherit all that God created humanity to receive in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Jesus is the perfect human that receives that decree, that inheritance. And it's because of his righteous life, it's because of his obedience that that inheritance, that heritage that he receives, the heritage of those who fear your name becomes my inheritance, becomes my heritage. And the Bible says in the New Testament that I am a co-heir with Christ. And so after David prays that, he says in verses 6 and 7, Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. Now, this is a weird turn that often happens in these psalms. And there's something happening in these psalms of David because David is this prototype of Jesus, this messianic type king. Jesus is called the son of David. God promised David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that his son on his throne would reign forever. Now, forever is a long time, right? That's beyond human abilities. That's superhuman, supernatural, a promise of God that can only be fulfilled by a Christ-like messianic figure such as Jesus. And so David often in these Psalms by the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, will start saying words that foreshadow this Messiah, this son of David, this king on his throne that will be forever. So David says, may his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. And in this prayer, David no doubt is giving us a glimpse of the Messiah. I think he's probably praying something beyond his even his own knowledge, but he's praying it in the Spirit, and he's given this prayer to us so that we can see Jesus in this psalm, and Jesus as the means by which we are lifted to a rock that is higher than us, that we have a refuge and a strong tower against the enemy, and that we can dwell in God's tent forever, and we can take refuge under the shelter of his wings forever, because he has given us the heritage of this Messiah. He has given us the inheritance of one who perfectly fears, obeys God's name, and that in Jesus, God's steadfast love and God's faithfulness watch over us because he is enthroned forever before God. In him, we are enthroned as co-heirs. We will reign with him forever before God, before the presence of God, with the face of God that created this universe, looking upon us with love and protection 
and belonging and shelter and provision and rest. And we will have life forever in his presence. That his years will allow us to endure all throughout forever in the presence of God. Now, when we pray through these verses, it does something in our heart. It, it does wake up a lethargic soul and hardened heart when we really catch what God is able to do in our lives when we just cry out to him from the ends of the earth when our heart is faint. Now, let's take a moment and pray this and use our imagination. Let's do what David is doing and use these incredibly imaginative word pictures to picture our relationship with God, our need for God, what we want God to do. I'm going to lead us in this psalm and try to make this prayer of David 3,000 years ago. It's amazing. We're going back in time and we're praying with David 3,000 years ago. Try to make that your prayer now, written by the Holy Spirit for us. Try to make this prayer your prayer. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Saying that out loud even, if you're by yourself, try to say that out loud. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Just saying it out loud helps. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you and my heart is faint. Even now, God, my heart flickers with a spark that is there by your Holy Spirit, but it is faint. And I call to you what seems like from the ends of the earth. I call to you almost in exile, almost far away from you, too far away. But I call to you and I pray that you would bring me near. I pray that you would lead me to your rock that is higher than me. Lift me up. Strengthen me. Speak Life by your Holy Spirit, speak life into my soul, into my heart. Lift me up in the desert, lift me up above my enemies. For you have been my refuge. I pray that you would be my refuge now, a strong tower against the enemy, against the spiritual forces that want to hide you from me, that want to harden my heart toward you, that want to fill my life with distraction and diversion and entertainment so that I just don't have a place to remember you anymore, don't have a place to use my own imagination to see my need for you, to see you in my life as my strong tower against the enemy, to see you in my life as this rock of refuge and protection in my circumstances. I want to imagine you right now as my strong tower that I take refuge in. I want to imagine you right now as this rock that is higher than me, upon which you lift me up and place me over my circumstances, over my fears, over my anxieties, over my worries. You are my strong tower, and you are the rock that is higher than I, and I am looking over my anxieties and looking over my worries and looking over my fears because you are my refuge and you are my rock and you are my strong tower. Let me dwell in your tent forever, your tent of belonging, your tent of protection, your tent of shelter and rest forever. 
to dwell in your tent. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings to protect me from danger, to protect me from my fears, to protect me from my anxieties and my worries. I take shelter under the refuge of your wings, of your presence. And I know that you have become human in the person of Jesus in order to inherit the heritage of Genesis 1 for me. You have given me the heritage of the one who has feared your name perfectly, obeyed your commandments perfectly, lived a righteous life perfectly, and you have given me his record so that his life becomes my life, his righteousness becomes my righteousness. I am clothed in the righteous robe of Jesus as I come before you forever. You are my righteousness. You are my steadfast love of God. You are my faithfulness before God. And you are enthroned forever before God, Jesus. And in you, I stand before the throne of God forever, righteous. In you, I stand before the throne of God with perfect belonging, perfect protection, perfect shelter from my enemies, perfect refuge from my circumstances. I take refuge in you, Jesus. I take refuge in your steadfast love. I take refuge in your faithfulness. I take refuge in your life because you endure through all generations and you are enthroned forever before God. Forever. Forever I am in you before God. Forever I am in your steadfast love. Forever I am in your faithfulness. Forever I am in your life. Forever I have your inheritance as a co-heir with you a co-heir of perfect belonging, perfect provision, perfect shelter, perfect shalom. You are my strong tower. You are my rock that is higher than me. You hear my cry, O God. You listen to my prayer when my heart is faint. Speak life into my heart. The life of Jesus forever, the endurance of Jesus forever, the steadfast love of Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus forever, and watch over me forever. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.